Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, represented by Mr. Tennis Correspondent Simon Briggs. I'm waiting for the Federer question. Uh, well, since you ask, Simon, we'll just hold on to that. He's referring to the fact that he made a prediction and he's been living with it ever since uh, about how Roger Federer would lose heavily against Thomas Burdick. It didn't happen, did it? Uh, but anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, Catherine Whittaker is also here from Eurosport, our partners for the Australian Open and uh, rights holders for the tournament. Catherine, how's your day been? Well, n- never a greater contrast in quality of predictions could there be. Oh, yeah. We're we getting a bit, bit arrogant now, are we? What, what, <laughs> what have you said? Well, didn't I say last night that Nadal would be pushed but eventually win? Yeah, you did say that. Didn't you also say that Angelique Kerr would lose? I did a bit, yeah. It's a good job I'm here, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, that, that, that was my... Yeah, okay, moving on. Moving on, yeah, okay. So, um, today, we've just seen Nadal, and he was pushed. My goodness, what a match. Five sets uh, against Alexander Zverev. I mean, it really was Battle of the Generation stuff, wasn't it, Simon? But eventually, he'd, what, what amused me was the fact that he, he had a 37-stroke rally in the fifth set, which he lost. And Nadal looked devastated having lost it. And then when you looked up at his player box, they were all saying, no, no, look at him. Look at what you've just done to him. He can barely walk. <laughs> it was a bit savage. I mean, there are some people in this media center who believe that there's a problem with five-set tennis in that it doesn't actually mean the best player wins all the time. Let's be honest, pure tennis, Rafa was not the best player out there, but he's, what, 29, he's 30, is he now? 30 now, so he's built up this kind of, Karina's talk about building the house of, of, of your kind of aerobic fitness. He's built it up over so many years. Zverev is still, you know, putting the foundations down, and that's what made the difference, and it was brutal at the end. Yeah, it was brutal. Uh, he, he is exciting. I haven't watched that much of Alexander Zverev. I've seen pockets of his matches. This is the first time I've commentated on one. Five sets, four hours. I, I, I found his maturity astounding. He's, he's 19 and he just looked like he belonged. Oh, he 
feels he belongs. You know, he looked like he belongs because he thinks he belongs. And he does belong. I I, I do believe he's a future world number one. I really do. I think, you know, that's a couple of years away maybe. But, uh, you know, I, I saw him striding around the corridors in the, the players' area about... Probably would have been about an hour and a half before he ended up taking to the court, but would have been sort of starting his, you know, the couple of matches before him and he would have been having to warm up in, in intervals. And he, uh, I mean, I really mean striding. He looked so cool, too cool for a 19-year-old. No 19-year-old should be that that cool, calm and collected on on uh, with that sort of thing ahead of him. But, you know, that's what differentiates the future world number ones from the future sort of quite good but not quite their players so uh yeah i'm sh- i think if, if that match were played in a year's time Zverev would win it but that's the beauty of tennis isn't it that it's not just about the best tennis it's about the physical it's about the mental it's about the experience it is i believe the most in <laughs> the greatest sport because it incorporates all of those factors to the nth degree do you know i've just had a bit of a flashback i'm going to do a bit of a horrific name drop here a flashback to basel 1998 the second professional match of roger federer's career i was in basel and i was sitting watching roger federer's in fact no hold on a minute i was watching his match and then after it his his second professional match was against andre agassi right and there were I'd, I'd never seen him play a full match before, and and there was obviously a lot of hype. And and Agassi ended up, I think, winning six three six two. And the next round, he faced another young Swiss player called Ivo Hoiberger, right? Who probably only ever got to about a hundred in the world, but there was a lot of talk, obviously, in Switzerland. And the inevitable question was, Andre, which one of these two players is going to go the furthest mm-hmm. in their career? And he said, if those two players play each other now. Hoiberger gets the win. 19 years of age, Federer is 16. But Federer will have the bigger career. You know, and he was, he was right. <laughs> Lo and behold. But you know, it, it is interesting to see a player, a sort of junior, turning into a, a senior, isn't it? I mean, a guy like Nadal was never a junior. He didn't have a junior career. He just, he just started playing tour events. I mean, he looked like a man so early on, you know, and he, was, he had that physique. But it, it was, I think Catherine's absolutely right. You can see this kind of passing of the generations that they're, one's going one way ever so slowly and the other one's going the other way at some rate. Well, physically, the comparison, I think, is actually with Murray because, um, well, for one thing, uh, Zverev has got Jez Green working with him as Murray's physical trainer. It also has Patricio Ape as his agent, who was Murray's agent at that age. But I'm talking more about the sort of cultish long physique. He's bigger than Murray. He has a bigger game than Murray. He has a lot more cockiness and arrogance than Murray had, I would say. Um, yeah, I would say. I would agree with you. I mean, I, I think Murray ha- had a, a slightly self-conscious look to him, although he had that obdurate, um, you know, I'll pick a fight in an empty room kind of attitude. There wasn't, there wasn't this sort of swagger. I mean, you can see Zverev loves the limelight. He loves it. He was lapping it up at the end. Yeah, and we spoke to him in this very room where we're doing the podcast a year ago. And I remember talking to Dominic Team. I think I may have said this in the podcast before. I talked to Dominic Team, Zverev, the same day. And one of them was like 
four years younger than the other or something and you would have thought it was the other way around because one of them was sort of shy and a bit sort of un- uncomfortable and the other one was lolling back in his armchair like he was on Parkinson so it was, it was like a complete different experience <laughs> Indeed um, So what, what's your assessment now of where Nadal is? I mean for me I, I think there were still some, some wobbles in that match I think you know he was pushed by a guy for a start he was made to feel stressed and there were moments when I felt like the forehand wasn't as devastating and consistently strong as he would have wanted to. It wobbled a bit. But the big thing that he seemed to take out of it in the post-match interview with Jim Carrier on court was the fact that he'd finally won another five-set match at a slam. He'd lost three in a row. He'd lost to Fabio Fanini at the US Open. He'd lost to Fernando Vadasco here a year ago. Then he'd lost to Luca Puy at the US Open. He got this one done. Yes, I think that is significant. I think he's in a better place than he has been for some time. I don't think he's going to win this. Uh, I, I, having said that, he's in the right half of the draw to, to win this or certainly go deep, maybe even reach the final. Uh, things are shaping up well for him, but uh, it's more more encouraging. The, everything Carlos Moya said yesterday in the interview you did with him encourages me I, I see I see strides being made on the court the, the, the sort of caveat you put in there about the forehand it's not really a caveat is it because Rafa without the penetration on the forehand isn't quite Rafa and yes it's it's uh, it's a bit better than it has been but it's it's such fine margins with him with the spin he puts on the ball the difference between you know a few inches of depth is the difference between a ball sitting up beautifully for an opponent to to hit a winner on and a, and a ball completely out of reach or you know rearing up horribly for the opponent so yeah i, I i'm i'm encouraged i'm pleased to see him going in the right direction again i don't think he's going to win the title here okay what do you think yeah, I, I, when are we going to come back to Federer? I want to get that over with. But before I say that, um, Raonic, to me, looks like the finalist from that half of the draw. Um, and I just saw the end of his match against Simon. And every time I see him, he just looks more and more comfortable on the baseline. I mean, I know he needs to be good at the net because if he doesn't come forward, that, that takes something away from him. But he just seems to, like, he was slicing and he just looked comfortable he just every every time you look at him you just think oh he's got a little bit better again and he also talking about somebody who looks the part he looks the part of a of a top 5 seed he's the third seed now that doesn't seem to daunt him at all he, he it's like he expect, expects to go to that seeding from from what i can see Gael Monfils is the next opponent of nadal what do you think <sighs> I mean, I cast my mind back to New York last year when we were faced with the similar sort of Gael Monfils up against a top, well, a, a, signif- a significantly more top seed in, in Novak Djokovic and we were predicting great things and he'd played so well up till that point and then it was possibly one of the most bizarre matches of all time. Nadal now is not Djokovic in New York, um, but it still leaves me with a sort of grain of what on earth are we, we going to get from Gael Monfils in this match? Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I, it, it's not groundbreaking to say if Gael Monfils plays his very best, he can win that match. Uh, I, I think the last time they met was the Monte Carlo final last year, uh, which I watched live and Monfils had significantly... He, he could probably could have won it. it you were there, weren't you? 
I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was there. It was a it was an extraordinary match, and uh, one interpretation would be that Monfils sort of threw it away, really. But it was clay. It was France. It was different. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in that one. It's how can you possibly predict Gael Monfils? I mean, it's he's unpredictable. I'm going to go with Nadal. What are you going to go with? Nadal, yeah, I think so. I mean, the forehand wasn't all it could have been tonight, but he's going to feel pretty good, I think, when he wakes up, and he's not necessarily going to feel too many physical after effects because he's a beast. So let's get it over with then. What, what happened with Federer and Burdish? <laughs> well, I did say before that Federer scrambles my brain because I'm used to players being predictable on the basis of their results. You know, you can draw graphs that don't spike all over the place. And then you look at Roger and his goes bananas. He goes, <laughs> goes in all directions. I mean, he said that he, he, he hadn't been all that great in his first few matches against qualifiers and then I think this was I have used the phrase in the paper not yesterday but when he beat Andy in the 2015 Wimbledon semi-final it was an act of Roger um, and uh, it was just breathtaking and Burditch did as you told me he would do he backed off put his head down and looked sheepish in the corner did I say that? Yeah, I did say that. I, I, I paraphrase. Yeah. I, we can forgive Simon because I so love the phrase act of Roger. That's wonderful. You forgive him just because he's got a fancy phrase. Yeah, well, I mean, the, my brother, as we know, is, is the world's biggest Federer fan. And he just sent me one text at the end of that match last night, just said, God mode is back. So, yeah, act of Roger, I think, fits in with that narrative. Talking of inspirational tennis players, Dennis Istomin won today. Backing up, here's Novak Djokovic, big shock in the previous round. I, I found that quite nice to see that he didn't, you know, usually, usually they get the win of the life and they just disappear. Yeah, although he did win in five. Uh, he's going to play Dimitrov or Gasquet today. And I have a little story to tell you, which I'm extremely proud of, being a saddo, that today I was jogging in the park and somebody shouted out at me. And it turned out it was Danny Valverde and Grigor Dimitrov walking along in a pair of caps. So they were virtually unidentifiable. They were in kind of totally in disguise, camouflage mode. And they saw me running in the park. It was actually, uh, for, for a minute, I felt quite cool that, that, that I was like <laughs> hanging with the, with the big boys, but it uh, didn't last. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so Simon Briggs talking about, yeah, Grigor Dimitrov and Richard Gasco, which is the evening session match here. That's a result we will bring you tomorrow in the show. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who comes through that part of the draw. Now, what else happened in the men's draw? I can't even remember who else won. Oh, yeah, uh, Roberta Bounce-History got a, an outlasting victory over David Ferrer. I mean, fair enough. That is a good win, isn't it? Yeah, you're going to ask me. I, di- I didn't see it because there was so much. Go- I mean, I saw the odd point here and there. It was on in the, in the uh, Eurosport green room because the Spanish were obviously wanting to keep across it. But it was at that time when Rafa was on it. You know, there was just so much going on. And, uh yeah, that's that's a big win. I mean, I know a win over Ferrer is becoming l- less significant. Yeah, he's not quite what he was, is yeah, he? And it, it, he's not. It, I think that's probably something the tennis world now is coming to terms with, that uh, he's not what he once was. Oh, well. Um, now, <laughs> the, uh, the, the women's draw uh, saw a quite spectacular win. For Johanna Conter, didn't it? And uh, well, we'll get on to Conter in a moment. First of all, Serena Williams, very straightforward against Nicole Gibbs. She's just brushing people aside now. Well, she's she's brushing Nicole Gibbs aside, <laughs> which 
Well, she's brushed everybody else aside. Who's given her a, a test so far? Lucy Safarova, former French Open finalist? No. Uh, Belinda Bencic? No. No, Nicole Gibbs? No. Yeah, but there are significant caveats to all of that. Look, she's looked great. What she's, are these caveats? She's looked then? great, but I don't think she's been tested in the way that I think Joe Conta will make it to that quarterfinal. I think Serena will too. And I think Joe Conta will at least test her significantly. Oh, that's the vaguest prediction <laughs> of all time. Will she win Catherine Whitaker? Oh, that's, that's really brutal. Oh, I've predicted Serena to, reach the, to, to, to win the tournament, so I can't now predict that Joe Conta uh, will beat her in the quarterfinals. But I'm becoming increasingly convinced that she could. And will take really her to three could. sets. Oh, I think three sets for sure. I mean, I... I'm so convinced by Joe Con- If it weren't for the draw, I-, I would be predicting her to at least reach the final. If it weren't for that draw, I really would. I- I'm I'm blown away by her, really. I- and I feel naive for being blown away because she was a semi-finalist here last year. She's the ninth seed, you know. She always qualified for Singapore. She has done back-to-back fourth rounds at the US Open this shouldn't be a surprise but even with all of that there's something different there's something more about Joe Conta at this tournament which I'm very very impressed by yeah just to give you the details she beat today the former world number one Caroline Wozniacki 6-3-6-1 in about an hour and a quarter she absolutely demolished her and afterwards she spoke to Catherine Whitaker. Wow, Joe! congratulations. Another clinical, fantastic performance to get you through to the fourth round here for the second consecutive year. How pleased are you to put in that kind of performance against a former world number one? I am very pleased. Um, it definitely uh, got tricky also at the end with the, the shade coming over the court. I think you could hear both of us. We weren't hitting as cleanly as, as the beginning of the match, but... Uh, like you said, uh, yeah, and you're going into the match against Caroline that I really had to win it. Uh, she was not going to give it to me. Uh, she's famous for uh, being uh, incredible at coming back in matches and really uh, making opponents work very hard to, to come through against her. So I'm just very happy I was able to maintain my level and uh, pull through in the end. No breaks of your serve again today. Fantastic statistics on your service games. How good does it feel to have that kind of a weapon in your back pocket? I'm very happy. Um, honestly, I, I don't think I, I look to rely on it. I, I I try to uh, take it as a bonus, but uh, really just try to set up the point uh, to try and dictate more than anything. But uh, yeah, a couple uh, of uh, short points here and there, especially against a player like Caroline, it's always nice. You've had what looked like a really tough draw on paper, three straight sets wins. How important is that for you as somebody that's looking to go deep into this tournament to get the job done quickly? Uh, well, you don't have much control over whether you're going to be playing two sets or three sets. So uh, what I'm most happy about is just uh, really uh, being uh, being solid what I need to be so far in my matches and uh, just playing also when I'm not feeling too good, just playing myself through it and into the matches. Um, and like you said, uh, yeah, maybe my <laughs> on paper my draw, but uh, every single every single uh, player here is incredibly good. So uh, there's no easy matches. Well, you're fantastic today. Enjoy being in the second week again. Thank you. So Johanna Conta, Simon, you would have seen that match as well. I mean, I still I still watch her, and I I sometimes think, am I going to wake up soon and she's not going to be this good? Because, you know, occasionally we've had the odd dodgy performance against Savastova at uh, the US Open last year, which was it was a disappointing defeat. I mean, these are you know I'm picking tiny little examples out here. At, at the moment and this year, she's just. She's just awesome, really. I mean, she's not just winning these matches. She's beating 
quality players and, and, and comfortably. Yeah, two quality players in the last fortnight, both of whom came off court and said, well, I, I couldn't have done anything. So they felt like the racket was taken out of their hands. And that's how you win slams. I mean, how often do you see somebody uh, come through and, and kind of grind their way to the, to the title? Even Kerber you know, has been hitting winners on her, her run to, to the two slams that she won last year. It wasn't like she did it purely by just sitting in. Um, so if you look at her stats, she's won 96% of service games so far, which is way ahead of any, anyone, including Serena. If you look at her attack on the second serves of other players, she's kind of doing the, the Novak thing of ramming it back down their toes so that they're, they're coming out of their service action and, and not being able to deal with the ball. Um, it's just very solid, and she keeps on getting better. She's definitely improving technically all the time. I spoke to a couple of coaches, and actually Nick Cavaday, who coaches Aliage Badenye, he talked about how she uses these big muscle groups. Like He was saying it was a, something that Badenye could learn from. Badenye plays with his wrist. But if you use fine motor control, that's what goes on pressure points. If you're using big muscle groups, like the whole body, like if you see Conta using her hips, there's a huge torso rotation in every shot. It's more stable and more secure at those pressure moments. And so that's one reason she's gone from being a, a, a woman who did have mental meltdowns to a woman who's really, really solid. Yeah. So that's Johanna Conta. She's now going to face Ekaterina Makarova, which is a slight adjustment, I think, to what most of us would have thought would have been her fourth round opponent. I certainly thought it was going to be Dominika Sibylkova. That was a almost three-hour epic that Sibylkova had with Makarova. And so they now face each other, Makarova and Conta, in the fourth round, which is a repeat of the same match a year ago, which Conta managed to win. So that's one of the matches that we're going to be seeing. Catherine's almost also been speaking to Marion Bartley, the former Wimbledon champion, about the women's draw, and this is what she thinks of it all. I think first and foremost we should talk about Joe Conta because she played today, she won very convincingly today, that's three matches done, six sets won, she's looking in well-beating form, isn't she? Absolutely, and for Joe, she started the year so well already, playing the final in Shenzhen, winning in Sydney, back it up in here, so obviously physically she's very much in shape, I love the fact that she wanted to make a move in her coaching team. She switched coaches and she took someone very experienced. Wimphy said I've been the coach of Kim Kleisters. She has been the coach of Sabine Zeki, who I played in the final of, of Wimbledon. She's been the coach of Simona Halep. He, he has been with so many females. And I think for Joe, it's all about adding those little bits here and there to take her to the next level. She's been in the semifinal here in a Grand Slam before. She wants to, to get into that final and maybe winning a slam. Angelique Kerber won two last year. So I love the fact she won that as well. But she just plays so much within herself. Everything she does is just perfect, but it's just also perfectly measured. Doesn't go for too much, just staying within herself. But just her attitude and the way she plays, I just absolutely love it. Yeah, she's a woman on a mission, isn't she? We have to point out, though, that she has a very tricky draw, lurking potentially in the quarterfinals is a certain Serena Williams. What have you made of her form so far? Well, I think it's a new Serena. I think for, for Serena Williams, the loss in Auckland was really a wake-up call for her. The way as well she loved that match, committing more than 80 and first in one match. And just something that Serena Williams normally just never do. But you know, that's the beauty of tennis. When you, um, you know, it's a windy day and you're not really uh, fully into it, you can commit a lot of mistakes even if you're a 22 Grand Slam champion. 
But I think Serena is the player that every time she enters a Grand Slam, she just becomes someone else. And I think she's on a mission. She played really well her two matches, which was a nice session. She played really well in a day session as well, which is something sometimes here she can struggle a little bit. Remember the one she lost against Makarova here, it was during the day, because the sun is quite bright and she doesn't like those conditions so much. But I think today she plays extreme rails against Gibbs and she's going to be in to win those matches in two sets and looking to get into that final again. I think she wants to break the record of Margaret, obviously, but I think she wants more than that. I think she wants to get to 27, 28 Grand Slams. And who can stop her? I don't know. Maybe only herself. Well, just a quick look, Marion, before we let you go on the top half of the draw. Seeds dropping left, right and centre in the top half of the draw. Who view are the contenders remaining there? There's just so many new names. I mean, someone like Brody, for example, from America, Jennifer Brody, not Naomi, but someone we just didn't expect who beat Heather Watson, saving much for now in the fourth round. I thought Alize Kone had a really good draw when Radvanska lost, and it's Lutich Barony, who never been in the second round of the Australian Open since 19 years. And now she's in round 16. So all those new names, all those new stories, that's what we love. But I'm picking Pliskova for that part of the draw. I think she just plays so well. She won in Brisbane. I think she's the one to look for. So, Marion Bartley with plenty to say, as always, uh, about the women's draw. It's going to be fascinating over the next few days to see how it all unfolds. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Now, tomorrow, what do we think about 
the Brummy Murray. Huh? What do we think? <laughs> Catherine Whittaker against Joe Wilfred Songer. Not before 5.30 in the morning UK time. 4.30 local time in the afternoon on the Hyacinth Arena, which is where he played so wonderfully well against Bernard Tomic. Well, can I say first and foremost, I'm gutted about the scheduling, as I'm sure you are as well. Why could they not have made that a not before 6.30? we're almost certainly, unless things... Yeah, we're almost certainly going to have Murray and Dan Evans on at the same time tomorrow. And that's Do you think we will? I mean, Murray's well, third on, isn't he? I mean, there's probably going to be a bit of overlap. They, yeah. will, they will overlap significantly. I, I mean, I don't think they will, they will start and end at exactly the same time, but they will overlap enough that it will be... Inconvenient and annoying, and they will overlap during the daytime so that all those people hoping to watch some Sunday morning British tennis. I mean, I know they'll still be watching Federer and Shikori, which is great, but they won't be watching Dan Evans. The the one I don't understand is why they didn't just start Evans two hours later and not before sort of 6 30, which would have been 7 30 in the morning in the UK. And yeah, that that would have worked, I would have thought, but um, well. It hasn't happened. Well, I completely agree. I, 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 entire, I entirely understand why Andy Murray is day session tomorrow on paper, number one seed or not, him against Misha Zverev, who is a fascinating individual, incidentally. Um, why? Oh, his story is fantastic. He was outside the top 1,000 a couple of years ago, was coaching uh, was getting his private pilot's license, was, you know, contemplating a, a life beyond tennis. And actually it was his younger brother, Sasha, uh, making strides into the main tour and starting to do that transition uh, from juniors to seniors. His employment of Jez Green, uh, who Misha then started to work with as well, it sort of uh, reignited his hunger, his desire, his made him reminded him, I guess, what's great about tennis, all those corny things. And uh, here he is. I think after this run, he will reach a career high ranking. Uh, after and he's thirty years old, isn't he? I mean, he. I mean, to put it into perspective, he has been knocking around for years. I remember when Alexander Zverev first came on the scene. And I, would, I remember trying to search him out at tournaments because I wanted to get a, a, an eye on what this guy was like. And I spotted Zverev in the draw. I got the wrong one. I got what I regarded after that, and for the next about three years, I got the rubbish one who doesn't know how to play tennis because he always loses. He's got no ranking whatsoever, and he's, I don't even know what he's doing on the circuit. That is what my view of Misha Zverev was. And then in the last six months... He has completely overturned that, and he is a glorious servant volley, a throwback player. Andy Murray, I, I, I was told today by Leon Smith that Andy Murray has spent his afternoon or his morning in practice training with uh, Jamie Murray's um, coach. Is it Alan? Alan McDonald. Alan yeah. McDonald on serve volley drills for, from a left-hander to, to try to replicate what Zverev will come at him with tomorrow. I mean, it's going to be so much fun. It's I think probably the perfect kind of matchup for Andy Murray. He loves that sort of stuff, but crikey, it's a throwback. Well, he loves that sort of stuff because that's what Jamie did to him every day when they were growing up. So he loves left-handed serves. He loves serve volleyers. He loves a target. So in principle, he should be an absolute walk in the pot. But, uh, I mean, uh, Misha Zverev came into press yesterday and was one of the most charming interviewees I've ever met. 
uh, in a tennis centre. He seemed to have an amazing amount of uh, proportion about tennis and, and life, having been in and out of it over the years. He was a, an exact contemporary of Murray's as a kid, and they knew the family pretty well because the Zverev's also coaching parents, so they had something in common, and they used to hang out a bit together. And they, they played in the semi-final of the US Open Juniors at Murray won, and I think it was pretty one-sided. I haven't looked up the score, but um, yeah, he's a... He's a good on him type character isn't he I mean it's a good on him type story and Andy actually I think spoke about how he, he would sometimes see Alex or Sasha as he's known knocking around the practice court when he was playing with Misha and this kid was just hitting a few balls as well and it was clear that there's just a love for the sport within that family um, and uh, yeah I think it's a great story that Misha's done what he's done he's also the guy who was at the other end of the Net when Nick Kyrgios had his total meltdown in Shanghai. And to be fair, I mean, he was so decent about that. I mean, he could have been very bitter in terms of the way all the headlines were taken away from him. But, you know, he was he was actually backing Nick Kyrgios up, which on that particular day I th- was pretty hard to have done. Anyway, enough of that. So, I mean, I can't see Murray losing. I think Murray will win. Dan Evans, what do you think about him? Well, I'm just quite impressed by your Brummy Murray line. Is that an original lawism, or or and, and can I use it in the paper? That's what I want to know. Yes, it is a lawism, and I did text it to you, I think, last night, uh, and I was quite disappointed when you didn't remark upon it at the time. Um, but now that you've heard it again, <laughs> Simon, uh, and do check your messages and you will see that. And I, I was slightly worried that you would then use it before I'd managed to get it out there when I realised, actually, that was quite good. <laughs> but anyway... Um, Don't tell anyone else. So, yeah, the, the Brummy Murray, uh, Dan Evans, Dangerous Dan, he's going to be in action. Daniel, um, what do you think? <laughs> well, yeah, we think that uh, Songa is a, is a better opponent for him than, than it could have been Jack Sock, um, who would have got it high, and then single-handed backhands are in trouble so Songa's backhand is as fat as a pancake, and there's no spin on it whatsoever, which is good for Dan. Um, the Songa forehand, well, that's a weapon uh, and a serve. But look, he's, um, he's diffused two big serves. Tomic is, is an underrated server as, as well as Chilich uh, so far to get to this stage. So he's second favourite, I mean, against a guy with Songa's experience. What's going to happen? <laughs> look, he's, he's going to push him. I think he'll probably lose him four, but uh, he could do better than that. I agree. Going to lose him four? Probably, but could do better than that. <laughs> I think he's going to win. There we are. Uh, so um, that, that's that. And then there's Roger Federer against Kenny Shikuri. I mean, it's not even fair to ask Simon, is it? What do you think, Catherine? Ah, I think Federer is going to win, maybe, possibly. Yeah, he's going to win. Federer will win that. No, Nishikori doesn't really like playing Federer, I don't think. He, certainly not he does like, like playing Federer apart from Nadal. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I, I think I think Djokovic does these days. These days, what, what these days with his okay, what, he's having a flight home to. Serve? Well, no, he's having a bad time of things, as we know. But I mean, if you look at their record recently, I mean, this time a year ago, he absolutely destroyed Federer, and Federer was playing all right. Um, okay. the, the, I mean, I tell you what, we talk a lot about Murray. If it got to it, night match between Federer and Murray. Federer has got an amazing record recently against Murray, hasn't he? I mean, we're talking a fair way off here. But. It's not that far off. Um, it's only two rounds off, isn't it? Oh, it is, isn't it? Two rounds off. And, and, and um, yeah, that's the whole point about him being the 17th seed. But we did mention this earlier in the, I think, in our preview podcast that uh, Federer has beaten Murray on every occasion but one in slams, with that one coming in uh, 2013, I think, in the semi final here. Yes. 
I give you, ladies and gentlemen, well, British ladies and gentlemen, the prospect of, in a 48-hour period, Evans Vavrinka, Murray Federer, Conta Serena. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I can cope. Uh, but Simon Briggs is getting really pumped up. <laughs> Seems like he's got a headache at the sheer thought of it. Because that's a lot. All other sports. That's a lot of words, isn't it? That's a lot of words. <laughs> oh my god! Can, cancel all dinners. That's, what, that's the problem. Indeed. Well, listen, it's all coming up tomorrow. Uh, we've got uh, uh, the Brummie Murray dangerous Dan Evans in action against Joe Wilfred Songer. Uh, not before five thirty a.m. on the High Sense Arena. Uh, we've got Andy Murray in action on the Rod Laver Arena before that evening session is Angelique Kerber involved who's she playing I can't even remember now Angelique Kerber's playing for sure Coco Vanderway. Coco Vanderway. that's that's very well done Catherine and we've also got Roger Federer against Kane Ishikori other matches too I can't really remember them all to be quite honest but anyway any? um, uh, um, Margaret is on Margaret Court Arena uh, who else is on Margaret Court somebody somebody don't know. Anyway, it's a, what are so you showing probably me? Probably somebody good. I'm showing you the text that I received this morning, and now I understand why I didn't register it because I think I'd just woken up. <laughs> it was the wasn't that wasn't that about eleven o'clock or something? I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 everything feels a bit like a twilight zone at this tournament, doesn't it? You know, I mean, you go to bed at four in the morning, you wake up for a few hours, then you try and get a nap in, but doesn't happen really you're producing lawisms at all times of the day aren't you david do try do try anyway thank you all for listening to the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph read simon's millions of words that he's going to have to write over the next few days and catherine on the telly on eurosport don't forget you can get a year subscription to the eurosport player in the uk only for 1999 that'll include three of the slams the french open the us open and of course this one too uh, if you'd like to do that on the eurosport player hold on catherine four of the slams four of the slams of course because they've got highlights as well haven't they to, to it's Wimbledon Highlights and live coverage of both finals. Goodness me, Catherine Whittaker with all the information. Uh, we will be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow. We'll speak to you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 